You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season 12, episode 10. After accidentally fixing a broken guitar pedal in 2007, Joshua Heath Scott's natural curiosity pulled him into the rabbit hole of electrical engineering and circuit design. From this experience, his company, JHS Pedals, was born. Today, JHS Pedals has become one of the most influential pedal companies in the world, preferred by recording artists such as Beck, John Mayer, Madison Cunningham, and many others. Josh's YouTube series, The JHS Show, has garnered millions of views from audiences spanning the globe and often expands into documentaries on musical technology, invention, and music history. Aside from his guitar-related work, Josh is also an accomplished and published photographer who focuses on photographic essays of Midwestern America. And much like his pedal company, Josh tells us he accidentally fell in love with photography, riding his bicycle throughout the Kansas farmlands and documenting what he saw. In today's episode, recorded live at the Loom Creative Arts event, Josh talks with me about the curiosity that drives his creative work, as well as the adjacent possible, a term describing creative and innovative possibilities that grow as they are explored. And following our theme of art and identity, Josh shares with me about finding reflections of ourselves in others and in the way that we see the world around us. Patrons of the podcast can enjoy an additional interview segment with Josh at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. I'm your host, Stephen Roach, and this is the Makers and Mystics podcast, the podcast for the art-driven seekers of truth and lovers of life. I'm sitting with Josh Scott, who's the founder of JHS Pedals, as well as an incredible photographer. And we're in Spruce Pine, North Carolina. Is that where we are? We're, <laughs> we're definitely here. We're somewhere. We're, we're in a vortex. We're in a vortex. I, I'm not sure where we are, really. But we're in the mountains, and we're at the Loom Creative Arts event. And so Josh and I have been sharing the stage, doing panels and different talks together. And I just I said to Josh, I said, hey, you know, I know we just met, but I've got this podcast rig set up in the back, and I'd love to have a conversation. So this is going to be totally spontaneous and just see where the conversation goes. But uh, Josh, thanks for being willing to sit down with me. I love it. I was in my hotel room like eight minutes ago. I jumped over <laughs> here. I was like, let's do it. Amazing. Well, I hear that you accidentally became uber successful with your pedal company, JHS. And what what's kind of funny about this is that years ago, you guys actually endorsed Songs of Water, which was the band I was touring with at the time, and uh, gave us a bunch of pedals. Yeah, we were talking, and I didn't put two, two and two together. And, it, and you mentioned it, it was like, oh, this is hilarious, like you and Luke. Yes. Um, yeah, I, you know, accidentally successful is a fun term. I think it's accidentally starting a business and working incredibly hard at it but at the same time it does have that feeling of i still wake up and i'm like i can't believe i do this you know yeah. it's uh definitely i i never saw myself running a business let alone a successful business let alone one with like 40 employees it's amazing but yeah it's been a wild 
trajectory change in my life as a creator here on the show, uh, being a musician and stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm a business guy. Mm. Very weird. Well, there's a relationship between creativity and the business world that works for some artists and doesn't work very well for other artists. Tell me about that relationship between your creativity and then the entrepreneur side of things. Yeah, I feel really natural at it. Um, it's taken me a while to say that. I, I, I don't like braggy. I, I just I have a hard time sometimes just saying what I'm confident in. My wife gets on to me for it. But <laughs> I'm at a point, you know, I turned 40. I do realize now I'm very good at entrepreneurial business ideas, creating products. And I learned that through fire and, you know, trial of, of this JHS thing that just kind of, I say it happened to me. I kept going though. Mm-hmm. So I, I did it to myself. Just, you can always stop anything. Um, but yeah, that relationship with business and creativity, that's why I believe there's any success in what I do. And I've tried and I've, I've had some really strong values, value system for myself. I create what I want to make. I don't let people dictate that financially or whatever. I will do the thing I want to do at a loss if that's what I feel like I should do. And, I, and I've held those creative virtues, and I think it's been really important. Amazing. I know that just from talking with you last night, it seems that curiosity is one of the prime motivators of your life. It, it seems like you love to know how things work. You want to figure out why something ticks the way it does. Tell me about the curiosity part of what you do. Yeah, the whole business started because uh, I had a broken guitar pedal, couldn't afford to fix it, and I decided I should try. And, and I, I'm, inc- I'm a really obsessive personality. It's one thing to the next to the next. I rarely parallel things. Only, only at this point in my life, I'm starting to do like parallel creative work. Mm-hmm. But it was always one thing, all-consuming. And that curiosity got me into, I fixed a pedal. <laughs> that curiosity led to, I'm going to take the other things apart. And then that curiosity led to, I'm going to build one from scratch. I'm going to get a college textbook and teach myself small signal circuitry. And, and it just kept going. And, and I like the, the wandering of that and creativity. For me, that's where I'm most satisfied is exploring wonder mm-hmm. you know i said that this morning i'm just if i feel curiosity in the distance i see something and i and i'm curious that's always been my signal to just go mm-hmm. and maybe regret it later but just go <laughs> that's awesome i love that something broken led to something beautiful yeah you know that there is a bit of beauty in the breakdown and i think that's a a principle that applies to all art forms is finding beauty in brokenness or finding a completely unexplored path out of something that just wasn't working and i know switching gears from your guitar pedal making to the photography that you're doing even on your Instagram, you have a whole library of images, many of which are these broken, off the side of the highway, overlooked, abandoned things, but yet you saw something in them. And maybe it's much like your petals. There was a curiosity there that caused you to pull over and, and snap this. Tell me 
What motivates that? Tell me about your photography. Yeah, the photography thing for me came literally out of nowhere, like even more than the business. The business was like, I fixed a thing and my brain was ticking. It was like, oh, maybe sell one. The photography thing just, it, it, here in North Carolina, there's a plant called kudzu and it just consumes. Like <laughs> photography has been like my creative kudzu. It just took over. I, I wake up wanting to take photographs and I've been that way for five to six years and it's just weird. Like I don't wake up wanting to play guitar, even though I was a professional guitarist and all, and I still play. It's the one thing that's, I just want to take photos and I don't even, I don't care if they're seen, there's some response and feedback in it. And I'm really drawn to, and I haven't figured this out. So processing, maybe you can figure it out for me. I. <laughs> I'm drawn to what was and where is it now and seeing a, you know, seeing a building, there's some doozies around here, as we would say in the (laughs) South, seeing a building that's just abandoned and amazing and seeing symmetry in it, seeing the beauty of what it was, a faded color, numbers, hints, like you kind of have to, I feel like Sherlock Holmes visually and I, and I sit in front of it and I think and I love to let it help me imagine what used to be beautiful. And then, and then when I take a photo, I, I think a lot about, I love this. It's very nerdy and dumb to some, but I, it's dear to me. Photography allows me to freeze time. Mm. And there's something that, uh, it's like addictive. I, I love history. I would have been a history teacher. Much of my work, if you know me from JHS, is documentaries in the guitar space and technology and innovation and all those stories. There's something about photography that freezes a moment so it's never lost. And there's something about looking at a thing, an object, a place that's broken and and very much in the past, and I'm able to stop it from totally decaying. There's something Mm -hmm. about that. And I haven't processed through it. It's like a, it feels like a, a pull or a calling to capture everything before it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe that means I need therapy. Maybe that's <laughs> like, I just, I have the thing of like, loss is really beautiful in a way. The, the brokenness is, there's a beauty in it all because of the story that it has. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the world, the world right now is so fast and people aren't paying attention and we're losing the stories. We're losing the history of everything, really. Mm-hmm. As much technology as there is and as much cloud service space as we could store things, it feels like we're neglecting the history in front of us. And that's just deep-seated in me. I'm not saying that over all of humanity, but I feel it. I feel an urgency to collect, mm-hmm. collect images and freeze them. Wow. So there's a very ephemeral mm-hmm. nature to the photography, but then at the same time, it has a bit of longevity or even the an eternal nature to it in some ways. And it seems like that photography for you would also be a practice of contemplation or a, a, a meditative practice. It's It's learning how to see something in a new way. And I know just from the images that I was looking at this morning during your talk, I'm seeing stories unfold. And for me, I love the synergy that happens between different art forms, like when one art form inspires or informs another. And I had a lot of poetry begin to well up in my heart from looking at the images. And I love so, that. yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me how a single image 
can unlock a whole story. I wonder if you have any thoughts on how that works for you. Yeah, it works for me. I haven't quite figured. It's such an emotional art form. I think some of it is just finding this place in me, like trying to figure that out, like that synergy and how it impacts other art forms around me. And the the main thing with photography is just how all consuming it feels, which Mm -hmm. is very bizarre. And it does kind of play off into the other things I'm doing. I always think about stuff. I think about the world through a camera lens, which is so strange. It sounds like I heard those quotes and I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And then I actually I find myself I shoot a lot on a rangefinder and a rangefinder has a very specific view with a square. You Mm -hmm. can see the white. I actually see it a lot. I see a 35 millimeter lens, 35 millimeter film, and I see the view. I walk around and it's burned into my head. So it's actually like how I see the world mm-hmm. in this weird way. That's and I said this I think today. It's also frustrating. Like it's I'm obsessive, which is part of this. But it's like sometimes I just like I need to turn that off for like a hot minute. But mm-hmm. I'm just always seeing frame lines, and I think it it's in, it's just impacted my whole view of seeing things slowly, mm-hmm. meditatively. Um, kind of rebelling against the rush. Yeah. Um, which I need. Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems countercultural in a sense. It is. It's, rebe- it's very <laughs> punk rock right I love now. it. I love it. Yeah. To rebel against go, 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 do this, do that, swipe here, just to stop and see frame lines on yeah. things and imagine how you could freeze it. There's a, I forget the photographer's name, but he's one of the classics. And he said, paraphrasing, I'll butcher the quote. Some photographer on your show is going to send me an email, but... <laughs> Um, Basically, it's not that I want to take photos all the time. It's that I want to see the world through my photos. Mm -hmm. There's like a need to just, I just want to see what I, what the photo would look like. Yeah. And you'll end up, you know, I take photos of just stuff that's bizarre. I just want to see what it looks like later. What's one of the most bizarre things that you've photographed? I think it's just like truly like, I remember going out one day and just taking pictures of like overgrowth, like it's almost, it's truly hard to build out anything interesting in that. But I just wanted to just see what that felt like. You know, just things that they truly have no purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why I love it. Some of the discipline and practice for me is like, I'm not having to create a product. Yes. I'm just, I'm just wandering. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go out here today and shoot a roll of film and um, none of it's going to look good, and I know that. But, man, it's really great to try. Yeah. Well, much of what you're saying seems like there's a cultivation of how you see. And uh, I'd be curious to know, is this something that you've had to develop over time of training yourself how to see, how to notice things that are otherwise overlooked or how to notice the unnoticed, you know? And mm. talk to me about how you've cultivated this way of seeing and maybe even how other artists can learn from you in that. How can we cultivate seeing beauty in the brokenness or how can we cultivate seeing meaning or purpose in things that have no purpose? You ask really good questions. I've never been asked any questions like this. They're very, <laughs> they're challenging. I love it. I think about the medium of photography and I want to say 
I always saw like this, mm-hmm. like saw in quotes, like in some way, I feel like I always noticed stuff that people didn't care about. And I think the camera is the vehicle that finally expressed it. Like guitar never could, songwriting never really did, kind of. Um, and I feel like the camera, when that happened to me, it was like, ah. It was like the other arm I needed or mm-hmm. something. So it's that is such a heavy question and it's interesting, like how to develop that. I've definitely developed it as well. Um, it comes both, both are, it's not either or. I've definitely, I think I had it there, but developing it for me, and I think advice to develop any craft is just immerse in it. Mm-hmm. And you hear this stuff all the time, you know, you need to work on your craft, you need to do whatever. There's a great photography quote, your first 10,000 photos are your worst. Mm. It's like one of the most famous quotes from a very famous photographer. And I I think like, man, I crossed 10,000 pretty quickly because mm. I'm so obsessive. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's that way. So I feel that hard angle of like how to give advice because I'm pretty immersive. And yeah. I mean, my wife will just be like, wow, <laughs> you are, you know, are you sleeping? Like, yes. If I get into something... I'm really over the top. It's just how I made. Um, so it's I never want to advise that to people because it, <laughs> it. I just don't know that everyone can do that. And sure. It's not a better or less. It's just different styles. But I, I really do think if you're going to be a photographer, you need to take a lot of photos. Mm-hmm. You need to look at a lot of photo books. You need to immerse yourself and find yourself in other people. You need if you're gonna be a songwriter, write a lot of songs, listen to every kind of music, you know, mm-hmm. every discipline. Um, yeah, it's like finding yourself's really important. And I didn't, I thought I was unique in photography for a while, ironically. Mm-hmm. And I, I was started because I would get on a bike and I'd backpack and I would, you know, hundred miles out in gravel Kansas farmland, and I'd see stuff and I'd be like, I'd love to take a picture of this. So interesting. And I bought a little cheap camera. And I didn't realize it, but I was doing like field studies. That's what they're called. They're like photography, you know, photo journals of trips and travels. This is, you know, National Geographic's done this for decades. And I thought I was special because I was like, oh, there's this type of photography feels odd. I'm unique, you know, and I didn't say it like that, but it had a (laughs) feeling of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't see a roadmap. And then I saw like, uh, Robert Frank and William Eggleston books. And I was like, oh, and then I <laughs> saw more of myself in there. And I was able to, I was able to like have some synergy with those guys who blazed that path. Yeah. And I, I think in any art form, you just can't be an island and you've got to search for yourself and other people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That might be a very weird phrase, but it's always been important for me to dig around and find the like-minded artist. Yes. I love that. I, I love that thought. And, and that phrase, you know, you've got to search for yourself and other people. I think that's beautiful. And I mentioned it to you earlier, but this season on the podcast, we're talking about the relationship between art and identity. Mm. And you mentioned as well, how you, you thought you were unique. You were doing this thing that nobody else is doing, you know? And I think that in some ways is, the aspiration of the artist, you know, right. we, we want to do the thing that nobody yeah. else has done. And of course, everything is a remix, yeah. you know, whether we like it or not. But you said there's a balance between uniqueness and then, you know, inspiration and your heroes. Talk to me about 
that reflection of finding yourself in others because I know in my own creative journey, that's been uh, very important. I, I remember early on in, in my journey, I didn't want you to know who my inspirations were. I, I wanted you to think that I had come up with this all on my own, but I, I, I figured out that that was a bit of immaturity. And mm-hmm. now it's almost like giving homage you know, to the shoulders that we're standing on, that's actually a beautiful thing. There's a legacy in that and and not something to be ashamed of. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that relationship. Yeah, there, <laughs> I think the music industry took that out of me. Like my work in the music world, seeing a lot of artists, big and small, and working with them. And you see a lot of people you know, they're hiding their inspiration, but you know their inspiration, <laughs> you know? And so I think I've always been more open of a personality. I've pretty naturally felt that and always observed, like, I know that guitar riff, come on. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's like, right. just admit it, you know? Or that drum sound or whatever. And I, I love that kind of stuff because, again, any kind of inspiration like that is a type of looking back at history and honoring it. And that's like my biggest, mm-hmm. one of my biggest values. I think this question, you know, there's a term called the adjacent possible. Have you heard of this term? No. So it's like one of my favorite rabbit trails. Uh, I, I love the, okay. the phrase. So yeah. there's a, an author, social sciences guy, Stuart Kaufman, I believe. I believe that's the right guy. Uh-huh. He coined the term the adjacent possible. And the adjacent possible is the process of how something is created, or specifically, back up, innovated, invention and innovation. So if we look at an automobile, you don't get an automobile until you've seen a horse pull a carriage. Okay. So the horse pulling the carriage was the close adjacent thing that made the guy with the other part of the automobile see it. So one thing causes you to see the next step. The printing press, everything, honestly everything, the light bulb. There are no insular, there are no lone geniuses. Like they just don't exist. Everything is made possible by the thing that was adjacent to it. So we don't just wake up and invent AC current electricity. Like it doesn't happen. You baby step it. And so this, Seeing yourself, seeing other people's work for me has led to those, my new possibilities for myself. Mm-hmm. I've seen an adjacent thing, like even meeting you or whoever, I'm learning stuff and I'm, and now I have a closer, I have something I've never touched or smelled or seen that, that leads me to a new thought, a new mm-hmm. possibility. And I think as creatives, this, I love this subject. I did a talk on it last year, but getting closer to new possibilities. And so when I'm looking at a, a classic photo book, a Robert Frank or a Stephen Shore, I'm learning, I'm looking and I'm going, oh, this is so like me, but he's braver than me. Mm. I need to, next time I go out, that's what it does. <laughs> it showed me a possibility. I was adjacent. I was holding that thing. But innovation, if you, anyone out there, a nerd like me, I mean, if you look at any major invention, there is no lone creator ever, and mm-hmm. it's always built on the adjacent possible of what they just saw. That's medicines, technology, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think as creators, we should 
realize and embrace that more. And mm-hmm. that's why community and collaboration is so important in creativity. Yes, it's beautiful. And I, I love thinking about all of the different art movements throughout yeah. history and whether it's the beat poets or, you know, pop art. And I've lately been studying Marcel Duchamp and mm-hmm. uh, Dadaism and surrealism and how, you know, when the ready-mades came out, which was Duchamp's found object art, you know, he brought the yeah. toilet into the gallery and, and <laughs> everybody freaked out about it. Nothing like this has been done before, but if you if you go back into the history, you see that it was actually built on the backs of other people that were doing very avant-garde works. And sometimes the things that look the most original to us, we just don't see mm-hmm. uh, that adjacent possible that you're yeah. talking about. But one thing that it brings to mind is, you know, imitation is kind of how we get into the water. You know, you begin imitating and then eventually some of that inspiration is just assimilated. And I think that is a very important part of the process because imitation might be how we begin the journey, but at some point you have to assimilate into your own expression and then let it get in there in communion with yeah. the other parts of who you are. And and I love that even thinking about uh, things like we're at this weekend where it's a, a gathering of artists coming together. There's so many different perspectives feeding into one another. It, it's like, um, what is it, an estuary? Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I don't know, talk to me about it, that sound. It's, yeah, I even like, like personal experience here, like. I've had this inkling of a desire to try to paint. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where <laughs> to start. I like not knowing how to start. I think that's why the camera was good to me. I didn't know how to. I didn't know anything about photography, so I had to learn it. It felt good to not be the professional. And there's yeah. there's a thing in creativity that I crave. And I walked in here to the main room, and there's this just canvas with this pink square, and I was like. Crap. <laughs> I gotta try this, and that was an adjacent. That was a thing, yeah. I, and I think, yeah, we we collect and then we synthesize. Mm-hmm. And uh, think of that Miles Davis quote: "The greatest musicians are thieves who never get caught." Yes. That's like that's the best way to see it. I think uh, acting like you came up with everything is really <laughs> stupid. Right at the end of the day, it just yes. really is. We all assimilate everything. I mean. Imagine if Rage Against the Machine came out in the 90s. They were one of my favorite bands back in high school. And they were just like, we invented this. Right. Like, Bro, this is hip-hop. Yes. And Led Zeppelin. You know, That's right. And, and they were... It's just so important to be okay with that as an artist. Because I really can't tell you any successful person who's ever hidden that. It feels like the most successful people are very open about those things. Yes. Yeah, and success just could honestly just be that they're happy. Yes. Just being open about where they're finding things and Mm -hmm. assimilating and synthesizing. Yes. And some of that's probably unconscious, you know? You just you just begin to to draw in different things and then before you know it you've you know, come up with something that is a bit unique or or, or has your own signature. Especially with music. I mean, songwriting and music has a special little magic on it where you can, it's just some of that crossover is so bizarre. You, you know, I love the story where Paul McCartney, he writes Blackbird and he swears he's stolen it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's those moments where you're just so worried because 
music feels like it has a fragility about it. You know, I mean, well, nowadays you're getting, you get sued for right. copying Stairway to Heaven or whatever. <laughs> but it is interesting because there's only so many chords, and melody and structure. There are certain disciplines of art have frames that we all use. And I think that makes that a little, I, I think it scares some people to be more open. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to be seen as ripping someone off. And I, yes. I think music has a more inherent difficulty with that for mm-hmm. artists, maybe. Yes. Feels like it does. For sure. Well, back to your photography. I know that a big piece of what you do is travel and in different environments and, and different landscapes. For instance, for our listeners, you know, uh, this morning Josh's talk uh, involved a series of photographs that you took here in spruce pines of just going around the city and wandering and finding these random things that I found really compelling and really beautiful in their own avant-garde kind of strange way. Talk to me about how travel and environment plays into the art you're making. Yeah, I think it for me, it's a big piece of the wandering mm-hmm. and the exploring. And the curiosity of it. curiosity. Yeah. Um, I think my photography has a feeling in it when I'm truly surprised. Mm-hmm. Now, I I have a I have a discipline where I've been doing this to my home community in town, which is very difficult. Any photographer, their their least favorite place to photograph is where they live because it's hard. It's like yeah. you're like frozen or and where I live is just not that interesting visually, but that's a challenge. But there is something, you know, about when I'm truly exploring, the mm-hmm. photos just like they're tangible. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I never will. But it's like something in the creative nature. You can just tell. I'm like, what? And I, you know, the photo, you can almost feel it, or I can feel it. And mm-hmm. that's what matters. And just, you know, what I did basically is I'm always just craving to take the photo. So I, if a flight is like, if a flight's over, if a flight's under eight hours, I just drive it mm-hmm. anywhere. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm working on what'll probably be a, a book called Mid America. I live in Kansas City, so I'm, if I'm driving, I have venture, I know I've driven so many crazy roads <laughs> and been so many places there. So I'm just always with a camera. You know, the best camera is the one you have. And, I'm always ready to take a picture and I'm dedicating some time. And on a trip that might look like it takes eight hours to drive to Denver, I'm going to give myself 12. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I've been doing that. Um, as practical as that is, I just go, um, art, creativity is wasteful and I'm going to waste some time and roam around. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I just did a similar thing. I went out to Denver and back and I photographed the trip on two parallel highways. So Denver major and then Denver minor highway and, and back to Kansas city and thousand photos. Two adjacent highways maybe. Adjacent highways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, one last question I'd love to ask you. You know, I know that your art and the photography as well as all the creativity that you're doing it has a very spiritual root to it that mm. there's a there's a faith kind of in the mix with your creative practice i'd love to know how your own faith journey or how your own spiritual journey impacts whether it's your business your entrepreneurship 
or whether it's just your random wandering sessions, how does your faith play into that? And does that play a role in your inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of followers and people of me, I, I never, this is a great question. You know, no one ever asked this question, which is, which is great. For me, it really is how I see the world. Um, it's that big a deal, but it's not what I force on the world. And I think as a creative, some of my best friends are not Christian. Some of the people who have taught me the most are not Christian. And I find it really foolish to force that. That I love the cross-pollination of ideas and practices and different understandings and I want to learn from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And some of the biggest influences right now in friends in my life, they don't believe the things I believe about God, etc. But that element for me is what it is. I wake up, I see the world as a as a world that was created. I'm made to create in the created world until that world is recreated in the end. I mean, that's a huge lens for me. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. <laughs> I, it, is, it is the main, a lot of the motivation of finding beauty to me is even defining what beauty is in the sight of a creator. Mm-hmm. We live in a world where beauty is a Revlon ad at Walgreens. And I'm like, that doesn't, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Beauty is something else. Like beauty is, beauty's the whole story. The, it's like the pain, the brokenness, the joy, the narrative. Like we're in a book. In my mind, my faith places me in a, in a novel, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not at the final chapter. And and I I view beauty and my creative thoughts through what's you know what's coming. What's that going to be like? And how's the narrative building? And, a lot of that motivation comes from from that faith element, for sure. Beautiful. Well, Josh, thank you so much for taking this time to talk with me on the Makers and Mystics podcast. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and spending more time with you. So thanks a bunch. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This episode was produced by me, Stephen Roach. Be sure to see the show notes of this episode for links to Josh's work, as well as for links to the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective. If you've been inspired by this or other episodes of the Makers and Mystics podcast, please consider becoming a patron today and help us continue this work of advocating for the arts. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art.